0: Welcome to Who is Grace Weekly, Grace Church's weekly podcast. My name is John Tiernan and I'm excited to be your host as we discuss the I Am Jesus sermon series. Our mission here at Grace is to make and be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We hope these conversations encourage you to live out that mission in your everyday life. Today, I'll be doing a deeper dive with Pastor Derek about his message from Sunday, including some bonus content that didn't make it to his sermon that he's excited to tell you about. We'll also talk about why religions aren't all the same and how to handle our doubts. We would love for you to share this podcast with others and to like and subscribe so you get notifications for every episode each week. Let's jump into my conversation with Pastor Derek. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode six of our weekly podcast. Uh, I'm here with Pastor Derek, and we're both so excited to have you joining us for this conversation uh, Pastor T, you want to say hi? Hey, what's up, everybody? Good to be here, John. Yeah, good to have you, man. Thanks. Uh, crazy to think that this is actually the last of this series. We're going to take right. a little break after this, uh, so we hope you s- subscribed so you get notifications when we uh, jump back in. But man, crazy that we're we're already to the end of, of uh, another amazing Another amazing series. So before we talk about your message from Sunday and more on that, um, tell me a little bit about fam time. What's something fun you've been doing with your family recently? All right. So
1: here's one. Uh, Kim and I don't always agree on uh, television and movies what to watch. Okay. We have different tastes a little bit. But we found a show that we both like, and okay. this is a big victory for us. So uh, we're watching a show on Netflix called Madam Secretary.
0: Okay. And the
1: thing that I, so I'm, you know, I like political shows like this that have good like plot lines and storylines. I'm an old West Wing guy. I don't know if you remember even that show. That might've been before your time. Knew of it. Okay. <laughs> Didn't watch it, knew of it. <laughs> okay. So anyway, that was like one of my first entrees into like, I really like that whole show, that whole series. So Madam Secretary is a political show. Um, but uh, and Leone is like the 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 sec- Secretary of State or whatever. But the thing that's so fascinating about it that I, that I found that the reason that we like it is because it's one of the few shows that I feel like has kids our age, and so like a lot of the show the the humor, the insights, and stuff like that. Are are super relatable, and so like we're really drawn to it. Like we're we're kind of out of the stage of the super little kids, yeah. And so some of the families that have little kids, it, it feels a little bit unrelatable. It was just it's interesting to me to think that like part of the appeal of a show would be you're kind of in the same life stage as some of the characters, and so there's this relatable comedy and all that kind of stuff. That's so. fun. Yeah, so you're so.
0: connecting to like as they're walking through parental yeah. moments. Yeah, you're like, hey, yeah. we know what this feels like. Yeah, they
1: got a kid out of the house to getting get married. They got a kid in college. And you know, it's just it's it's interesting. So anyway. How about you? What's That's what's cool. going on in your family life? and anything fun going on these days?
0: Um so I got Kristen, you know, the best Christmas gift I've ever given her, uh, a Sudoku book. <laughs> <laughs> and, you are I, a master. But, but I bought dude. two <laughs> So that we could challenge each other at Sudoku. <laughs> now, listen, we're like we watch TV, like we do other, we do other mm. stuff. We're not like totally lame, uh-huh. but we really enjoy. Wow, doing like Sudoku races against each other, so you
1: can compete against each other and still stay married.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it creates healthy tension.
1: Wow. See, not creates for healthy us. tension.
0: Oh, it's, it doesn't go well. No, because if someone's the winner, right, that means someone has to lose. It's what, we're, way, sour we're we're way too competitive. <laughs>
1: We can't play games together. I mean, she like crushes me in Scrabble, but I'm Kim was like a racquetball player her whole life, and I learned racquetball, and then beat her at racquetball, and she has never picked up a racquetball racket again. (laughs) Like she did it for like six years of her life, and it was just done. And so, yeah, we're very so. I admire you. That's in so Sudoku puzzles, and you race
0: each other. Yeah, I feel silly even saying that. Kristen's probably feeling a little. (laughs) Either embarrassed or <laughs> proud, I don't know. I, but I'll tell you, it's pretty fair. I'll just wow. say that. It's so pretty fair. We each, hey,
1: know. kudos to her because you're a math nerd. So that's, that's kudos a,
0: to her. You're right. right. Sorry. <laughs> I could,
1: Dude, didn't pass that up. All right.
0: All right, hey, let's talk about your sermon. <laughs> okay. Let's talk talking about how dorky I am. Hey, hey wait,
1: I, I I do want to get get a serious moment in here yeah. because, as we're taping this right now, we've actually had a pretty rough pretty rough week at Grace yeah. Grace Church with some families and some grief and some sudden grief. I just feel like there's a lot of people who've walked through grief in the last year, and I would just, you're this is something that I mean you you are a godly shepherd. Um, incredible pastor. And this is one of I feel like your areas of strength, even though you may not know it or feel like it in the moment. I would just love for you to talk a little bit about like how do you walk with people through grief? Um, both from a pastor like from a personal perspective, but also just recognizing that people that hear this also probably have to walk with people through grief, either have recently, are right now, or will sometime in the future. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So this is uh this is still super fresh. So I apologize for the emotions, but mm-hmm. um I think that oh my gosh, I think the first thing I'd probably say is y- you need to let yourself grieve, mm. especially if it's close. Like this one has been the closest for yeah. me in a long time yeah. and I needed to cry. And um you know, sometimes that's with the family and sometimes that's alone. But you need to let yourself feel it. I think sometimes when we find ourselves in a support role, we think we have to be strong, 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 strong. Uh, There's going to become a breaking point. And so if you give yourself permission to feel that earlier and along the way when it comes up, I think that's actually going to set you up to be a better support and a more compassionate support to the people that you're walking that through, whether it's family members, friends, people in your life group. Um, and then I find myself, like one of the roles that I play is giving people permission to be, to feel all the things, mm-hmm. all the things, sadness um, and to let that out and to say, it's okay to to feel really sad and it's okay to let your family see you sad. I feel like that's one of my roles in supporting. It's just like letting them know it's okay. It's okay to not feel sad all the time. It's okay to still like laugh and be lighthearted in the midst of grief, that's okay. Mm. It's okay to be mad at God and just giving people permission, to like feel those things. Um and, and and then being able to like go to God together in prayer mm. when it makes sense when when it's when they're ready when it's you know um, I think even just be mindful of that it's never bad to pray but sometimes that can feel mm. forced uh, or, yeah, yeah yeah and just trying to to, to judge like is this okay mm. and then just asking for permission are you up for praying right now mm-hmm. can we do that together and then just going before God together and I've, oftentimes I find myself like what do I pray. Like I'm, I'm confused. I don't know why God let this happen. I, God, I don't know what I'm asking you to do right now. And sometimes that prayer is just like affirming God. I know you're here. I know you're good. That hasn't changed because this happened, but we need your help because we feel lost and helpless. So come love us, come surround us, come help this family, come help me, you know, just
1: a desperate prayer. That's really good. And I feel like what all the things that you just said, um, first of all you're very good at but, but but are so true and and also kind of combat that thing that f- people feel like they need to do which is have all the answers mm. and I think people go it, it they either show up and don't know what else to say so they just say weird things in the moment that that are trying to answer questions yeah or it's what prevents them from going to be there with the people in the first place because they think well I don't know what to say yeah and part of the deal is no 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 just show up yep that's huge Mm -hmm. and then all the stuff that you just said about giving permission going to god together like that's that's coming alongside that's not you're not setting yourself up as the answer man and the you know i need to have all this figured out before i can extend care to you and i think that's just such a powerful posturing of of how to approach those things
0: yeah that's good Yeah, yeah showing up and and just You know, depending on how close you are, if you know you're in that circle, that inner circle, if you're their life group leader, if you're one of their closest friends, if you're a family member and you know you already have that permission to just show up and be with them until it feels like it's no longer helpful and, you know, excuse yourself kindly and politely. Mm. Uh, If you're not sure, if you're one of those people, you can express a desire to see them. Hey, I'd love to come see you. If it's helpful, are you up for that? And just they can say, yep, I'm ready or nope, not yet. Maybe next week, maybe in a few days, whatever it might be. Um, but I do think just being with people in their grief is is huge, uh, and I've heard people say that like in the first few days and weeks, it's actually there's there's a flood of people, and then all of a sudden there's this mm-hmm. void. Like I don't know if it's like a month out or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but there's just just eerie loneliness that comes at that point because all the initial attention fades, and so just you know if if you if you know someone that's gone through grief maybe a month or two ago or yeah. a few months ago. That might be a good person to go be with.
1: Great advice. Yeah, great advice. Thanks for sharing it. Jeff. Yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, uh, it's
0: good to process that together. Yeah. <clears throat> so your sermon, man. Jesus makes this statement: "I am the way, the truth, and the life," uh, and it is a powerful and yet troubling. I don't know if that's the right word. It's you. You, you can't water that one down. You. you know. We try to. We try and make it. Into, other people try to make it into other things, but you can't get away from from that truth claim that he made. Uh, and your big idea was that G- because Jesus is the way, you can find your way home and that 's really good news yeah. uh, not just to the initial disciples he was speaking to, but to all of us who long to be home with God. Uh, then you talk about three myths that Jesus shatters you can these are the myths you can get to God through any religion you you create your own truth or you are arrogant to believe that Jesus is the only way mm-hmm. and that Jesus in that statement shatters all three of those. Mm-hmm. And I know there's people listening. They heard you on Sunday. They're listening now, who are still kind of wrestling through this because maybe they came in Sunday, feeling like, yeah, I think, I think I can, you know, I can be Christian, but my best friend can be Buddhist, and my other friend can be spiritual, and the other friend, and we're all kind of get going to the same place, getting this, talking to the same God. What, what have you? How else can you help us? I mean, your sermon was awesome, but like, how else can you yeah. help us get our heads around the fact that? all religions aren't the same. Yeah. And they're not all pointing to the same God.
1: Yeah, it's incredible to me that this is the prevailing thought right now. I really believe that it is, that most people, if asked, would just say, all religions are the same. They're pointing to the same God. Maybe they're different. They have different aspects of the truth, but there's this one God that they all point to, so it doesn't matter you know, which way you go. And I, I mean, I remember having... I was in New York City. It was... A, a couple decades ago, now it was a while ago, but I was there to actually sing at a wedding. So I used to be in a bit of a boy band back in
0: the day. <laughs> oh, I love if you this can podcast. even believe it. I love it.
1: And so the four, and it was by actually was fair, it in
0: sync or Backstreet
1: Boys? Which <laughs> one was it? <laughs> you don't. I'm not even going to say the name. But it, the there was four of us. It was it was four guys. Somebody had literally heard uh, one of our recordings uh, on their college campus. Walked by somebody's dorm room, heard our our album playing, and said, who is that? I want them to sing at my wedding. Oh, my goodness. And it it turns out to be this very wealthy family. This has nothing to do with the story, but I'm giving you very wealthy family in New York City. We were flown there with a significant other. Uh, um, we were picked up in a limousine. I mean, it was the whole deal. The, the, I,
0: need, I need our listeners today. Someone needs to verify that this happened. It okay, happened. I'm, I'm calling shenanigans. No. I, wanna, I want some evidence. If anyone was at this wedding, please let me know. Listen,
1: it was in a ma- at a mansion on the Hudson River. It oh, was spectacular. Wow. Anyway, I got a moment alone with the bride and groom, whom I did not know very well going into this. They had just hired us to come in and do this.
0: And you weren't and a pastor at this point? No, no, no.
1: Okay, no. I just want to clarify. This was pre... You in college? Yeah, this was... Yeah, yeah. last right. year of college, pre-pastor days. Okay. Um, so the husband was Jewish, the wife was Catholic, and the wedding ceremony was very Jewish, so it had all the kind of Jewish rituals. Uh, it was officiated, oddly enough, by a Presbyterian minister... And then me and my guys from an evangelical college came to this Jewish wedding officiated by a Presbyterian minister with a Catholic girl and sang Jesus songs. Wow. So it was just this weird, you know, conglomerate. And I remember getting a a moment of downtime with the bride and groom alone and listening to their story a little bit. And eventually we started talking about spiritual things a little bit and their different paths and expressions of faith or whatever. And that neither of them was really practicing their religion much. But, um, you know, on a holiday, they might go to a synagogue one time and a Catholic church the next time or whatever. And I asked them a question (laughs) that turned out to be, whatever i said do you ever wonder which one is right and simultaneously they both said no in other words they've never wondered that wow and the question had never occurred to them and uh then the, the husband said what i think is the key phrase he said both religions are saying pretty much the same thing aren't they hmm. and i would submit to you that no other time for the past 2000 years has have people just generally assumed that all the religions are saying the same thing. This is a new concept, a new phenomenon. Yeah, because the religions are v- v- wildly different. Yeah, and one of the things that's been helpful to me, and just in just myself, and then and then personally, just dealing with people on this issue that all religions are the same. It's an old metaphor that has been used a lot about blind men and an elephant. So these blind men wander up uh, upon this elephant, and um, that they, they are each describing the elephant. And so the blind man that's got a hold of the snake says, "Well, the elephant is this long, you know, flexible creature like a snake, and he's holding the tail." Oh, got you. Sorry, I said snake. He's he's holding the tail of the elephant, and he's describing it like a snake. Mm-hmm. The other blind man has his arms wrapped around the the leg of the elephant. He say, "No, no, no, it's not like a snake. It's like the trunk of a tree."
0: Oh, okay. And
1: then another one that's you know holding the side of the elephant is saying no it's not like a snake or it's not like a trunk of a tree it's like large and flat like a wall you know and so the point that people make is they say well this is like our approach to god that god is the elephant he's big and mysterious and we are small and clueless and all of the religions are like these blind people that are trying to describe the elephant but they're each describing it their own way. And so the Hindu has the tail and the Jew has the, you know, the, the leg and the Muslim has the side of it. And the atheist has that, whatever. And, um, everybody's partly right and everybody's partly wrong is the is the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and that each blind man can only feel part of the elephant and none of them can envision the entire elephant and that that way. And so the person saying this is saying, listen, it's arrogant to think that Christianity, for example, has the only de- description of the truth. The truth is you just have part of it, just like the Muslims and the Hindus and the, you know, and the, the truth is that this is an elephant that we're all grabbing hold of different parts of. And the problem with that, and here, here's the clarifying thing for me, the problem with that, number one, is the person who's saying, no, there's an elephant, is actually claiming absolute truth. So they're they're doing mm. the very thing they're cautioning everybody else yeah. against, where, where they're saying, listen, no, Christianity, you can't claim absolute truth. You only have a piece of the puzzle. This person is basically saying, but I'm omnipotent because I can see the whole elephant, and I can see all the error of your little religious ways. And actually, that person is quite arrogant. <laughs> they're, they're becoming the very thing they're accusing everyone else of being Yeah, by claiming that they are the only one that has the full picture of the the Cause, truth cause of these religions.
0: Because that's a truth claim in and of itself it is, is to say it's actually an entire elephant not only the portion that you're describing exactly, okay exactly
1: so it backfires a little bit on the person who's who's trying to argue that point but 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 i want to push it one one moment further what we're really dealing with though with the elephant is and i would say to the person but what if the elephant spoke mm. what if the elephant revealed itself what if the elephant said gentlemen i realize that you're blind but let me introduce myself. Here's what I'm like. Here's the whole of me. It's not arrogant at that point then to sit at the feet of the elephant and let it define itself. right? And what I would press back and and say, listen, the elephant spoke. God spoke. God revealed himself. We're not just groping at Blindly at straw. God has shown Himself to us in the Bible in Christianity, and so I think that's that's one of the metaphors that has really helped me to go now. All religions aren't exactly the same, we don't have all a little piece of it because God told us He revealed Himself to us.
0: Yeah, that's so helpful. Yeah, I think that that frames the tension and, and, the, and the contradiction of that. What's interesting when I when I speak to people who lean more Agnostic, mm-hmm. so they are not atheists. Saying I don't believe in a god at all. I believe that there could be, and, and maybe probably is, a higher power. We just can't know that higher power, and so they might also say, you know, all re- so all religions are are equally valid because of that. Or they might say all major religions are wrong, but it it is its own faith system, belief exactly. system. It, yes. Agnosticism is its own saying that God is unknowable. We can't know, so it's not worth trying. That's a belief system. Yeah,
1: they're making a truth claim.
0: Yes, yeah. They, they then are saying then all the other religions can't be true because those religions are saying no God is knowable and He is this way. Yeah. So that's it's been helpful to me to realize that like as that has become more popular, it's also mm-hmm. it's not an out. <laughs> it's not it's not like hey I, I don't I don't want to decide. So it's no, you're deciding. It's right. just another way to to describe it's your it's what you believe is true your about belief. the nature of God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not an it's not a
1: non-belief. It's actually a belief that that you have to apply the same scrutiny to that you're applying to all the other belief systems and so you have to begin to question the validity of agnosticism mm-hmm. just like you're questioning the validity of christianity and because you're 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 basing that belief on some evidence yeah. or lack of evidence and i think what what people often think is i can apply scrutiny to everyone else's belief but i don't have to apply it to mine mm-hmm. or i don't have to apply if i if i think of a thing like you know agnosticism then that's just a kind of an out. Like you said, it's a, it's an out to say, I don't have to believe in any of those things when in fact that itself is a belief. Yeah. Yeah. It's good.
0: Yeah. And I'm hope, hoping that as people <clears throat> listen to this and process both for themselves, you know, some people are still wrestling through yeah, whether they believe Christianity is true or not, whether they believe it can be true you know, along with other things or they're in conversation with other people. I just hope that's helpful yeah. uh, for them to think through. Uh, you gave us a, uh, pretty heavy next step i'd say uh define your posture towards jesus right now is it fist clenched in defiance and anger is it arms crossed with doubt and being dismissive or is it knees bowed in belief humility and at home with 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 christ and and obviously encouraging us that if jesus is the way the truth and the life that we want to believe him we want to we want to humbly come and find our way home through him um but if i'm going to be real with my lead pastor, <laughs> doubt's been part of my faith journey from the beginning. Yeah, uh, That's something that in some ways feels like a, a, a plague or a curse that's just <laughs> been part of the deal for me. Yeah. Um, what do you say to, to the doubters? Is If Jesus is the truth, is there room for doubt? Um, and if yes, which I'm hoping you say, uh, <laughs> how do we fight doubt? I'm thinking you know we've talked about the spiritual disciplines of solitude and fellowship mm-hmm. uh, over the weeks here and how valuable those are I feel like there's a spiritual discipline in f- learning to fight mm. doubt That's good. um so so yeah is there room for it and what do you do to fight it? So I can relate. I'm a fellow skeptic.
1: Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people know, you know, that's part of my story, too, is really wrestling through my—I was a philosophy major in college. And so, you know, I, I was given frameworks to kind of wrestle through what do you believe, why is it valid, that sort of thing. So I'm a fellow skeptic. I think there are compelling stories of doubt all through the Bible. And so, yes, mm-hmm. I do think that it, it actually is, is part of faith. It's not anti-faith. It's actually part of our faith. Yeah, um, to be able to doubt well, and some of the greatest it's comforting here. Some of the greatest saints doubted. Abraham laughed at God when he promised that they were going to have a their hundred year old selves were going to have a baby. You know, Moses said, "Hey, you got the wrong guy." You know, he doubted that they could do it. I've read. Um, you know the books books from Billy Graham Mother Teresa i mean even thinking more modern people who had tremendous doubts all through their through their walks with god john the baptist is one of i think the more interesting doubters in the gospels in that you know john the baptist who gave his life for jesus was about to be beheaded sends word and goes are you the one or should we expect another like he was he threw it out there to jesus <laughs> and you think about that right. after
0: baptizing him and it, seeing the holy spirit the Descend whole Descend upon him and hearing God's voice from heaven, he's still saying, he, are you really the guy? He had the best shot of any of
1: us <sighs> to believe it. And then Thomas, you know, Thomas is the most famous probably doubter in the Bible. And I think it's important to recognize that doubt is different than unbelief. Yes. Those are two different things. And so uh, doubt just means being in two minds. And so it's like you haven't come down firmly on one side, you're in limbo, you're examining, you're thinking, you're weighing, you know, two uh, sides of an issue and, uh, you know, I think it's the, kind of the state of believing and disbelieving at the same time. You know, bec- there's this thing and the, the father of the epile- uh, epileptic boy in the gospels who just says, you know, I believe, help my unbelief, yeah. I think is like the perfect cry of doubt, captures what so many of us feel of yes. like, yes, I believe, help all those places where I don't. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's, that's just one of the ways that the scriptures is very helpful to us. Yeah. Um, I like to think about it like this. I don't know if you remember the, the P90X cra- fitness craze, but that was a big thing. I, I, I know people still do it, but that whole thing was built on this idea of muscle confusion. So, so the idea, if you if you want your muscles to get stronger, they get stronger when they're appropriately stressed, and that's a good thing tension and resistance and all that p90x came in and said if you add variables to that it's even going to make your muscles stronger so things like do different exercise do longer sets have less time of recovery in between sets and that sort of thing I know i'm talking you know we're
0: both bodybuilders here um i, wasn't, I was i think 90 was for 90 minutes i was more into the p1x the one minute muscle confusion of like getting out of bed just leave it at
1: confusion <laughs> yeah that's right wow my muscles let's feel leave, really confused yeah, let's leave the muscles out of this
0: Let's let's go,
1: <laughs> but but I, the idea of, that confusion makes the muscle stronger when you can add variables in, and I think faith is like a muscle in that way. That that it's stronger when it's weathered tension and stress and resistance and even confusion mm. at times, which I think. Um, you know, helps us to doubt well. And you look at the, this, the, I, I love the story of Thomas. You know, he's called Doubting Thomas. I, I would like to relabel him Courageous Thomas or Bold yeah. Thomas just because I think that doubting gets a bad rap um, because I think it was such a critical part of his faith. But, you know, the night of the resurrection, it, you know, d- in my message I talk about in John 14 when, when Thomas is the one who asks Jesus the question that, that leads to the statement, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, where Jesus says, you know where I'm going, right? And he's like, No. We don't know. Tell us. And tell us where we're, and, and how to get there. Yeah. And he's, Jesus says, well, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. This is now a few chapters later, the, the day of the resurrection, and Thomas is not with the disciples. The, the 11 disciples have regathered the night of Jesus' resurrection, and Thomas isn't with them. And it's only speculation, but I, I, I think he felt burned. Mm-hmm. I think he felt betrayed. I think he was purposely staying away. I think we have to remember what these guys gave up to follow Jesus, and I think Thomas was processing the death of a dream, of just going. I gave my whole life for this, and he abandoned us like this. And um, you know, the disciples, Jesus appears to them. Thomas isn't there. They tell Thomas, Jesus appeared to us, and he goes, "Unless I see the marks in his hands, I'm not believing that." And so he had doubts, right? And and I think some people even listening to this can relate to that. They're like, I went out on a limb for Jesus, and I gave my life to him, and guess what? My marriage failed. And guess what? I lost my mom. Guess what? Cancer struck. It didn't prevent. And and there's this, like, betrayal. And I feel like those are the moments when doubt can creep in. Yep. And I think we just have a lot to learn from Thomas. Um, he waited seven days, so he lived with his doubt for a week. Jesus didn't appear to him for another week. Um, but then when when we meet him next, now he is in the room with the disciples. Yeah. And I think there's just a great lesson there for us that... that when we're in doubting mode, we have to choose conversation over isolation that, that he returned to the disciples and, and I think processed with them. So he's with the group again. And I think our doubts get worked out with people Yeah. and isolate, they grow in isolation. You know, they're like those dark things that grow in the darkness. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think a lot of people are afraid because they're like, I'm not sure I can express my doubt. And, and I, I just want people to know that that that's a safe place to, uh, you know, that the church, that the, their life group, whatever, is a safe place to, to wrestle with doubt. But I think another thing that, that Thomas did was he cho- he chose investigation over pretending. So I think what a lot of people do in their doubt is they just go, well, I just have to fake this.
0: Mm.
1: I don't necessarily believe it's true anymore, but I'm going to go on and fake it. And I think when Jesus came and says, okay, put your, put your finger in the wounds, here you go. And he took that step of investigation. He's like, I'm going to figure out if this... If this is real or not, and um, he didn't fake it, he didn't pretend. He responded to Jesus when Jesus said, "Go ahead and check it out." And I think that's such a great lesson for us because, like, investigate. Yes. Don't don't just don't just you know go. Oh, I guess I just have to fake it till I make it. No, no, no. Look into it. Yeah. Put
0: yourself in a position where you can really figure out if this is true or not. That's so good. Yeah. Because we have such a tendency to shut down. Right. In doubt. I mean, you said pretend, right? outwardly pretend, pretend like we still believe and have no questions or doubts, or you know. Yeah. But then inwardly, we can stop even looking for God to reveal himself yeah. and solidify, strengthen our faith.
1: Yep. Yeah. So. yeah. And, and we, already, we already touched on this before, but I think it's so important when we have doubts to, to doubt our doubts. Hmm. You know, and just kind of like what what we said with agnostics and and people who may not apply that same scrutiny to their own beliefs. The same is true with our doubts. I feel like we often give doubts a cur- courtesy that we don't give our beliefs.
0: Wow.
1: We give them kind of a free pass, and we say, "Well, you know." The, and the truth is, our doubts usually don't offer a better solution than what we're believing. They just nag at they nag at those beliefs. And so, if we were really to turn our attention and say, "All right, what?" It's not a doubt, it's actually a belief. It, it so I, I don't look at it as faith versus doubt. I look at it as faith in God versus faith in something else. Mm. My doubt is actually faith in something else. Yep. Yeah. So I'm either having f- faith in myself, my own ideas. I'm having faith in, you know, if somebody says, "Well, I don't believe that that God exists." Well, you ha- you you have faith in something else then. Because <laughs> we're all here, so how do we get here? What what are you putting your faith in in terms of the explanation for all of this? And so I think we have to turn that scrutiny um, on onto our own doubts. Yeah. And and I love this, and we'll, and I know we we're moving toward the end here. This is this is also some of the stuff I didn't get to talk about in my sermon. Yeah. So we we normally do a cutting room floor thing, and this is yeah
0: well, I want to hear this about is
1: part of it. But you know, Jesus gives the great commission in Matthew twenty eight. This is going to all the world, and he brings his followers to the mountain of ascension where he's gonna go back to his father. And it says, and I love this, they worshiped him, but some of them still doubted. Hmm. And this is the, I mean, they'd seen the whole thing, the resurrection, everything, and some of them still doubted. And I just think this happens every week in church. Some are worshiping and some are still doubting. And that's okay. I think there's gonna be this ebb and flow for the rest of our lives. Yeah. And if you look in that case, what Jesus does, He looks at those people who are worshiping, doubting people, the worshiping, doubting crowd, and he says, go into all the world. Mm. You doubters, go. Risk your lives for me. Change your world for me. Um, And I believe Jesus is assuming that as you go, part of that is that your doubts get healed in, in the going. Wow. And that part of being, being on Jesus' team is gone. That This thing is helping me to get square with who he is, who I am, and that the doubters are included in the mission too. And I just love Praise that about Jesus. I love that too. Yeah.
0: Uh, in one of John's letters, he says, have mercy on those who doubt. And I love that. Because to me, what you're saying is Jesus has mercy on those who doubt. He does. And, and wants to build them up. And heal their doubt along the way. Not, right. not, to, not that this side of heaven it may ever be completely gone, but that He's going to care for us, welcome us, help us in our in our doubts, and that we get to do that for others as the body. We get to have mercy on those around us and create safe spaces, like you said, where it's okay to say, "Hey, yeah. I'm struggling. I'm struggling to, to to believe this with my whole heart today. That God is good, or that God is present, or that Jesus, you know, saved me, or whatever it might be. Like put words to it and let the people around you pray for you, encourage you. Yeah, so good. Um, not you know, yeah, that's that's really good.
1: Yeah, and I just, I just, I mean, I think we have to remember that disciples of Jesus are not people who never doubt. Disciples of Jesus doubt, and they worship. Yeah. Disciples of Jesus doubt, and they serve. Disciples, of, just like you said, disciples of Jesus doubt, and they help each other, and they show mercy to each other, even in their doubts. And I think that image right there is the image that Christ would want us to carry.
0: Mm, it's good. Love that. I mean, I love this conversation that we've been able to have. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been really fun to do this over the course of this this whole series. And I, and I hope for those who are listening, if this is your first time joining us, feel free to go back and catch the earlier episodes. Hopefully they'd be an encouragement to you. Uh, and, and we'd love for you to subscribe to this so that when we, uh, we're gonna take a little break, but when we pick it back up, that you get notifi- notified and you can join us again at that time. Uh, so thanks for being part of the, the conversation. If it was helpful for you, um, feel free to share it with somebody else that you think would be encouraged by it. Uh, we'd love for them to hear it too. Uh, if you're interested in more, more information about Grace Church here near EPA, head to whoisgrace.com, to find out more about us. Uh, if you want to pick up the, the I Am Jesus uh, daily devotional, even just pick it, pick it up for this last week, go to whoisgrace.com forward slash I Am Jesus. Check that out. Uh, and until we see you in the future, keep following Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Great, we were a little over today.